Hey everyone, Evan and Irma here from Avira Health today with Dr. Rafael Grossman, uh, an amazing friend of Avira Health and surgeon, innovator, physician entrepreneur, uh, XR magician. Uh, Rafael, how are you? I'm good, my friend. Uh, thank you very much for for uh, letting me be here and, and the invitation. And it's good to see you and Irma there. Uh, Raphael. So good yeah. to see you. And we appreciate you. And, and, you know, even, you know, from the hospital, taking a few minutes out to chat with us, maybe we can share your website. I'm actually an amazing site and video for the folks that get a context of, of who you are and the amazing work you do. Uh, let's take a look. What defines possibility? In bright light, in an endless space. For more than three decades, my job has been centered around certainty. The certainty of hope, of saving or improving the lives of those who trust me through surgery. Once you chase the ability to strive for certainty, the mind becomes restless. And that is the seed of possibility. Welcome to the world of extended reality. Through XR, we can understand the glory of our past, the pulse of our present, and the potential of our future. However, there is a greater possibility that XR presents. It can give us the ability to revolutionize the fabric of humanity, medicine, and education through technology. You can harness the potential and efficiency of your practice by enhancing your world through augmented reality. You can become a better learner through virtual reality by opening the doors to innovative simulations and resources or interact with a hybrid world through mixed reality where the possibilities are endless. There's never been a better day than today to change our world for the better. My goal is to bridge the gaps in healthcare and education by instilling humanity and technology into the lives I touch. Join me in building a new world of possibility and certainty through passion, vision, and collaboration. Wow, that was something. <laughs> That was very intriguing. Uh, you definitely piqued our uh, interest, and uh, it seems like possibilities are endless. Uh, but I want to start. I want to go back to the maybe the beginning and ask you about your immigrant experience. I'm curious about your journey from Caracas, Venezuela, to becoming a practicing surgeon here in the U.S. and how's your immigrant background and uh, experience influenced your whole perspective on healthcare. Yes, uh, absolutely, Irma. You know that's 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 the uh, that's the core of everything. I think uh, I am from Venezuela, from Caracas, and that's where I grew up. That's where my family is, and uh, I'm, I'm sixth generation of, of Germans in, in Venezuela. Mm. Uh, you know, German, Spanish, you know, it's all a mix. But uh, yeah, in 1800s is uh, my first uh, relative on my father's side got there. My mother's is probably even before that. And uh, I went to med school in Venezuela. Uh, I'm, I'm 
my whole life in Venezuela, then med school. After med school, I worked uh, for a year as a rural physician, which is what you do in most countries, actually, and also in Venezuela, because uh, education is, is mostly free. So you go to med school for free, and then you have to pay your social debt by being a general provider, a a general practitioner for a year in a rural or underserved area. So I did that. In the meantime, I was learning English and studying for my boards, uh, in my USMLE boards. And then the second year, I kept working in an emergency uh, room. Uh, and also, I was assisting in surgeries. You know, here, the system is a little bit different. My, my father is a surgeon, so I was helping him. And, and uh, in fact, I was helping him since, since the very first days of med school uh, as, a, as, a, as an assistant. And surgery was really, really my passion. Out of eight kids, uh, I was the only one in, in medicine. And uh, so after the second year, I uh, ended up uh, finding a, a position in Chicago at the University of Chicago doing research for, for a couple months initially and then they extended it for for a year uh, that was uh, an unpaid position as, as many most uh, IMGs or uh, international medical graduates who come to this country to, to tr for, seek further train and do uh, uh, you know trying to be the, the first uh, to arrive and the last to leave the place to impress uh, to be uh, not as good as but try to be better than uh, in the status quo so that then you can be seen and uh, you have a chance to, to make it. And uh, uh, my goal was to train in surgery. And after that year in Chicago, I uh, went to uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan to do my surgery training. And uh, I did for seven years and then went back home, which was the goal. But unfortunately, home was, uh, a, you know, not, not ideal. The country had changed a lot, a lot of political and, and social, economic, uh, moral even issues. So I decided to come back and I settled in Maine. For almost 18 years, up until a couple of years ago, when I started migrating south to to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, now and uh, a, a full time clinician, full time general uh, and trauma surgeon. I do mostly trauma and acute care surgery, but uh, the goal is to go back to what I was doing in Maine and what I helped set in Maine, which was a trauma program that also uh, does uh, a part elective uh, surgery. So I, I do a, a minimally invasive and laparoscopic robotic surgery as well. And uh, that's what we want to do here. And uh, I'm here uh, helping, uh, uh, you know, create that program in a, in a great community close to, to, to Boston, where you guys live and to New England. And at the same time, juggling, uh, uh, you know, being an advocate, a, 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 a technophile, uh, uh, trying to innovate and trying to use technology in a smart way uh, uh, to improve what we do, how we teach, how we learn, uh, how we really uh, envision the healthcare that, that, that we would want for us and our families. Oh, what a wonderful journey. And on that note of a physician innovator, tell us about your first experience as the first surgeon, I believe, to use Google Glass during a live surgery. I mean, that was uh, that was really early in this whole world of, of mixed reality, extended reality. What was it like? Yeah, it's you, you know, it's a lot of times I get asked that question. I, I, uh, I've always liked technology. I've always been, uh, you know, uh, driven to, uh, to, to connect and communicate better using technology. Uh, uh, there's, uh, I've done a few TED Talks, and, and one of my, my, first, my first TED Talk was about using an iPod Touch device in rural Maine to connect and do uh, consoles, uh, uh, emergency trauma consoles uh, uh, at a distance using telemedicine. This is back in 2010, 11, an iPod Touch device. So that uh, 
landed me doing the TEDx talk, and and then I uh, I started thinking more uh, about becoming a communicator uh, about the power of technology to improve what we do, and then that drove me to uh, to Silicon Valley area. Uh, Dan Kraft, which is a common friend, he had the the the, the uh, sort of the, the the embryo of exponential medicine, which is now Next uh, Med Health, and. Uh, uh, that was it was in a big conference it was a small conference a, a, not a, even a conference it was like a training session you know of seven eight days and one of the incredible things I saw there at, at, at that future med event or a future med a, a, a training was a, a Babak Parvis the inventor of, of of Google Glass you know and uh, when I saw what Google Glass could do you know uh, basically accessing the the uh, all human knowledge uh, the internet from 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 a frame in your head uh, 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 connected to the web uh, uh, able to stream and take pictures uh, or videos i said wow this is we gotta use this to communicate and connect better so i got a, a device very early and i just had to use it in surgery really without thinking too much just as it came out of the box to improve the experience that my students had rather than watching what I was doing. They were just sitting, sipping, you know, sipping a little coffee in a conference room. And they were basically uh, having my perspective of an operation. And I uh, wrote a little post on that. And my good friend, um, John Nosta put it in Forbes and within hours it became viral. And next day I was getting calls from Argentina and Italy and, you know, everywhere, you know, what, you know, glass was very sexy back then, back then, and and so I, I thought this is a great way to use technology in a, in a different way, probably a better way than 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 a non uh, or as meaningful way in order to improve what we do. And uh, uh, the video that you saw at the beginning has some shots that I haven't. That, that's not very public because of HIPAA uh, reasoning and my, my hospital's uh, regulations back the other hospital where I was. But uh, uh, you know. Uh, it really drove, I think, my my uh, entrance. I think a little bit into into the 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 uh, being a sort of an influencer, I guess, of source or opinion leader of how technology used differently can improve. Uh, and you know, I always call Google Glass as the the so the model T of of AR in a way. You know, it's a. a, a uh, it's not augmented reality per se, but it's a way to use a head-mounted display. And now we are all the way to to devices like like the the View Six, you know, which is you know a regular set of glasses, but with all the power of XR within them. So it's uh, we've gone far, uh, evolving very quickly. I, I call it an R evolution. It's a revolution, really. It's, it's a very few years we've gone from nothing to everything, and now imagine you know, Vision Pro is coming out, and and many other devices out there that are unbelievable, magical almost, uh, and uh, many of them now with the power of a generative AI. The world is is becoming really uh, really what we have dreamed of and uh, we have to use all that power with a lot of responsibility i think to improve what we do yeah so tell us more what uh is your vision for how all this technology and augmented reality and virtual reality can change the landscape of medical education in particular well i think the the the, the possibilities are only limited by how clever our our imagination is really i i we have seen it in the last few years for sure and there is a lot of uh, not uh, talk about potential anymore but validation with multiple studies for example in vr uh, uh, 
not just for education only, but for for diagnostics and even treatment in VR in VR, but uh, extends to to XR, right? VR, AR, mixed reality called XR. So extends to XR. I think that education, uh, you know, nowadays, if you are not using XR for education, you you are not in the 21st century. I think right? there's no way. It's like not using computers for 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 education. It's not like not using uh, you know you know smartphones to 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 to, to communicate. I think that uh, it's not a substitute to traditional means of of of, of work. Uh, in this case, of educating, of learning, or teaching, but it's certainly another tool to bring the experience a, a notch up and in some circumstances a substitute what we traditionally did and the pandemic really uh, uh, showed us that that we've been preaching for years you know the power of remote connectivity re- the power of, of telemedicine or teleeducation it, it, it became a necessity right so uh, uh, necessity being the, the mother of invention I guess uh, and uh, uh, you see a lot of uh, platforms out there for educating people bringing them an immersive computer generated environments to from, from healthcare you know from from medical schools to to tech and nursing schools everyone uh, should be using and some are using virtual reality for example to educate and and, and improve it is more efficient it's more comfortable it decreases cost uh, it increases engagement uh, retention there are many validated uh, facts uh, in those uh, statements wonderful so as a practitioner, you've seen firsthand the barriers, though, to widespread adoption of these technologies in healthcare, given our, our system today. What are they and how are you managing to overcome those, those barriers? Well, you know, I think that as we evolve, uh, right, as the technology evolves and our mind uh, evolves and our regulation evolves, uh, all those tend to, to minimize and we find other areas of, of, of difficulty or other hurdles. Uh, initially, we talked about HIPAA and, and youth privacy laws, and that is now really not an issue anymore because anyone knows that any system that is going to be used in healthcare, and if you're going to deal with a private health information, right, PHI, you must have a secure server, you know, A to B, and all of that is intuitive. It's, I mean, you can't even get into the market or mentioned uh, getting into market without having a HIPAA compliant uh, system, right? So that is really not a barrier, but for years was a big barrier and stopped many incredible innovations. Uh, like, like where I was in the other system where I was, you know, the the, the concern of HIPAA uh, prevented them from being the first hospital in the world uh, to announce a Google Glass surgery or to do surgery with uh, or to do uh, outpatient uh, visits with Google Glass because of the lack of vision, but also because of the HIPAA, you know, hurdle. Uh, I think that nowadays the, the biggest hurdle is probably related to a to to uh, um, regulation and to education. You know, so regulation and education. If you know education, because you know this that you are doing, both of you, right, preaching and and helping us preach and advocate and talk about this so people know. And and I think that when when the players know what's available, they question, you know, why are we doing it this other way, which is not as good as efficient when we can do it this way. If I'm a patient and I see, hey, I saw this guy doing this uh, outpatient visit with a with, with glass and he was not looking at the computer when he was talking to me. He was actually looking at my eyes and interacting, empathetic uh, connection with me. So why are you guys not using that? So as we educate, I think those barriers tend to disappear, but that's probably the biggest barrier right now. And I think that in the recent past, I think even regulation 
has uh, become less of a hurdle because now we have leaders in those areas, at least in the in the U.S. and many places in Europe and other parts of the world, but especially in the U.S. I think the FDA, for example, which was in a way, you know, the gatekeeper for all this incredible magical innovation, the uh, FDA has uh, become for many years now, even before the pandemic, uh, more, you know, open-minded and more up to the times. And you see how things get into market faster, still safer but faster in the market and less expensive. So you have incredible solutions out there that are not, you know, relying on luck or money to get in. But, uh, uh, you know, the gatekeepers now are, are really uh, becoming more up to the, the times. And uh, that's still a barrier, I think. And if you think about uh, things like uh, generative AI, for example, you know, chat GPT-like systems, you know, that, that, that's a big barrier still and, and a scary one because we have to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we regulate technology. Uh, uh, but I, I think that all those barriers evolve as the technology evolves. And uh, I think that that uh, more and more things are going to be more more natural and intuitive and things that we saw as barriers and hurdles and, and uh, uh, impossibilities are going to become uh, uh, the past. This is a great segue to my next question. You've mentioned the paradoxical power of technology to coexist with better, more humane medical care. Please yeah. elaborate on um, how do you see this? How do you see technology enhancing the human aspect of healthcare? Which is, of course, I know all physicians want to get back to uh, yeah. spending more time with patients and, and showing the empathy that uh, got them to be in the profession in the first place. You know, I, that is sort of my, the, 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 I want to say my, my mantra almost, I, I think, because, you know, it's so frustrating to see how we have for the last 20, 25, 30 years, uh, uh, gotten a hold of incredible, almost magical technology, right, to communicate and connect better. And you figure, well, that's important because, uh, you know, obviously digital health, right, uh, and uh, electronic medical records, uh, 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 you know, electronic health records, EHRs, EMRs, oh, they're going to be uh, an incredible solution to, 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 to uh, improve medicine. But then what happened is that we started you know, looking away from the patient. And uh, yes, we have more data, we have better documentation maybe, uh, but we have lost uh, the, the, the patient provider, patient physician a, a relationship that we had in the past. So I think that a way to rescue that, to, to resuscitate that is to bring technology to humanize us and to, a, a, in a way, a, a take away those tasks that, that we don't need to focus on and then focus on the tasks that we can really, as humans, really, really do. Connect, uh, you know, uh, empathize, uh, 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 be be compassionate, uh, cry, laugh, uh, hug, touch our patients, right? Now we can do that if we apply the technology in a, in a better way because you can have a, an ambient intelligence uh, clinical system that is watching everything and documenting for you, or you can have a camera, you know, in your in your in your glasses, and 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 there is a, a, a AI scribe or human scribe like for augmetics you know the company that that uh, does outpatient human scribes uh, 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 documenting for you and you are talking to your patient and looking at them and the eyes rather than you know back on the and still unfortunately most of the healthcare is done that way you know with big computers where you document and you spend 80 percent of the time on that computer and then Five percent of the time with 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 your with your human in front of you, and and that's uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, cause of burnout. And we talk about burnout in healthcare. It is because of that we want to help patients. We want to work with humans. We don't want to work with keyboards, and that's what we unfortunately still do. 
Yeah, well, that, that's what advice would you give to healthcare professionals who are hesitant or maybe reluctant or too busy to integrate all of these leading edge technologies into their practice, of which you've done so magnificent, magnificently? Well, I think that the uh, the first thing is that I think to 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 seek, uh, to learn, to mm. be curious, to engage and network in whatever social media channel or whatever network uh, you are in, uh, physically or virtually, uh, learn about what's out there that can help you be a better medical provider. I say provider because this is. Be- from, from text to, to, to subspecialty physicians, you know, uh, nurses, uh, PAs, uh, techs, everyone, uh, uh, you know, has sort of the same role to, 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 to be a human helping other humans. And, and uh, uh, you know, you got to seek out what's out there. Uh, uh, look at people like you two who are communicators and, 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 and bring content that is validated, that it's, that it's important, that it's going to improve healthcare, uh, attend uh, events, uh, conferences, you know, there's vast uh, amount of knowledge every there, uh, everywhere. It's just a matter of, 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 of start tasting it uh, because you got to do that because if you want to be a healthcare of the future, the near future, not the future in 20 years, the future like in three years, I think that you need to engage. Uh, You probably heard the question or asked that question, or do you think that computers are going to replace doctors or nurses? (laughs) And uh, uh, the answer very commonly now is yes, but not really all doctors or nurses. The only ones that are going to be replaced are the ones that don't engage with these technologies. So why would you go to a doctor that still does x-rays on a in a in a on a on a on a on an acetate plate, you know what I mean? Or or a doctor that that you know uh, when operating on your gallbladder to remove it makes a big incision rather than four little incisions. It's mm. the same. Why would you go? So the only ones that are going to be replaced are the ones that don't engage with uh, technologies in a smart fashion. The only uh, ones that don't do a, maybe generative AI to uh, to do their registration or, or the, the post-op instructions. So those are the ones that are going to go. So humans, uh, human providers are going to evolve to embrace technology, and you have to do that because if you don't, you're going to be out. So let's go uh, a little bit further into the future as a healthcare mm-hmm. futurist. Uh, we're curious to know what you see as some trends and technologies that will have a significant impact on healthcare in five uh, or 10 years. And uh, what about these brand new technologies uh, coming, uh, coming to market like the Apple's uh, new uh, virtual reality headset? Yeah, that's a pretty big question, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, Five years. There's no question in my mind that most uh, um, education and, and diagnostics and and uh, and uh, even therapeutics in five years for sure, especially in procedural uh, uh, fields like like surgery, uh, any type of surgery, uh, is going to be very much based on uh, some type of extended reality and haptic uh, type uh, uh, platform uh, uh, with a very very high a, a content of uh, a, a, some type of generative or, or large language model AI. Uh, there's no question. 
it's happening already now the system has gone from i recently tweeted a, a, a little post a little tweet a, a, about a, a tweet and a threat as well we gotta go both sides now so uh, <laughs> a, 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 if ai is a monkey generative ai is a bright smart human and i think that's really we have leaped into into really the future of what ai can 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 do and uh, the potential of AI, and I think that there's no question that in the in the in the very near future, within three years, we're going to have all of that used in healthcare quite a bit, from education to diagnostics to therapeutics. And uh, you mentioned the Vision Pro. I, I, I'm 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 in talks to to you know with Apple to to really. Uh, uh, help in a way drive how that is integrated into healthcare like it will be integrated in many others uh, 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 human endeavors uh, the, the fact that the, the the vision pro is out there you know literally very soon for developers and next year for 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 the, the rest of the, of the consumers it's very exciting because yes the device apparently is, is is much better in many ways than other devices and you know otherwise you know you have the the, the meta pro you have the the magic leap too you have the hololens too you have the the view six uh, set of glasses you have the vario you have the peiko there, there are many of them all yes <laughs> the, the a3 from lenovo all of them are phenomenal right some have their own little idiosyncrasy better or not but the, when it's apple everyone is want to get that no matter you know what so is it like a, when you have a, an iphone 14 and the 15 comes out you know you, you almost oh, oh this is not working that way i gotta get the 15 so there is an excuse and i think the the, the social the power, I think, that Apple brand or Apple devices and the trustability of Apple, you know, for for electronics and for use case, I think that is going to drive the industry to 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 heights that we have been dreaming of in the last five to ten years. So I think that a virtual reality, a, a augmented and mixed reality, are going to have a a very very solid presence. A a, 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 a a almost standard of care, you know, the status quo is going to be to use these tools not as substitution, hundred percent, but as a, as another tool, a complement to everything we do in the digital world. It's a bridge between humans and technology, or humans and and digital. So it's going to be very exciting very soon, three to five years most, I think. Well, very exciting indeed. Um, and, and if if folks are watching this, either individuals, maybe organizations or brands, how can they work with you either on a consulting basis or an advisory basis or project basis? I mean, or do you even have time for that these days? You're, <laughs> you're super busy. Well, yeah, I'm a full-time clinician, but somehow I've juggled uh, the, the time uh, and I think using technology in a smart way to be able to to really become a, a, an advisor, a consultant, a keynote speaker, uh, you know, an advocate, uh, officially or unofficially, uh, for 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 several companies out there. And and uh, I, I love to engage. I love to teach. I love to to, to learn. I, but I love to be part of something that is going to help patients at the end. So if I can help drive you know, the development, the strategy or the design of a healthcare related product, I'm on it. And if I see that the product is going to have impact on my patients, we all do it because of the patients, right? 
I'm a full-time clinician, so my goal is really participate in that in that in that journey and uh, i don't think the journey can be done without the help of clinicians so i'm not the only one obviously but but i'm i'm out there and i want to be used as a resource i have a website that you have uh, uh, that you have uh, uh, shown in there it's rafaelgrossman.com but i'm very active in, in twitter uh, starting to be active in, in thread and mm-hmm. uh, very active in linkedin uh, really and i'm trying to to, to use that as a platform to, to connect and communicate better, to get knowledge and to give knowledge and advice. So I'm always open to conversations and, and uh, you know, trying to, every couple of months, I try to go to some impactful conference or event to, to speak uh, somewhere. Uh, because I think that we have the responsibility. If we clinicians don't go out there and tell everyone, uh, clinicians or non-clinicians, uh, different types of industries, that this is what needs to happen because we know. Because last night I was in the ED suffering from mm-hmm. uh, staff shortages or, 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 or uh, the EMR not working. So I know they, you know, I feel it in my, in, my, in my skin. So if we are not involved, then, uh, you know, we are actually, it, it's our fault. We need to be responsible enough to engage as much as we can and uh, uh, to help drive the solutions that we need for the problems that we know. So I think that that's uh, really one of my, my goals uh, for the last 10 years, 15 years, it has been. So I love to engage and, and try to help anyone who uh, is willing to, to, to seek uh, me. Wonderful. What a powerful message to, to end our conversation on. Yeah, and thanks so much. And on that note of shortages of staff and, and burnout, I mean, you know, what do you do to manage those those challenges? I, I hope you're taking some time off in the summer, some R&R, much deserved. Well, uh, here in New England is our time to, to thrive in the <laughs> summer. What, what are you up to? Yeah, I, I really think that it's about balance and you need to – you know, do what you love, right? And and make sure that what you uh, are doing is something that you love. And and if you are deviating from loving it, you got to find ways to start loving it again. And that's the key to not mm-hmm. burning out. And I think you know, uh, having a support network of of, of friends and family, uh, you know, it's invaluable. And 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 having people, you know, uh, uh, that that support you and you support people. And uh, you know, being close to nature and uh, you know, being in New England. Uh, has been always a blessing because you're very close to, you know, to, you, you can be at the top of the world in, in regards to development and progress, but, you know, you can drive very, very quickly to, to the middle of nowhere, right? Especially in Maine where I was and, and uh, not even have signal, right? So mm-hmm. I think that going back to nature is it's really important. I think mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, doing things that relate to, to, to the basics of, of, of our world, and forget about the technology and other things really, really refuel the, the brain and the soul with a lot of good energy. So, Oh, well, oh, so ending on that high note, yes. good energy for all. Thanks so much for joining us, taking time out of your busy practice. Thanks viewers for watching and please reach out, follow uh, Rafi on social media. All the, all the channels are here in the yeah. video. And he's, he's so fun and interesting to engage with. Thank you so much. And the beautiful human too. Thank you, Raphael. My pleasure.